0: Content warning: Check the show notes for more information. It's October fifth, twenty fifteen, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was today in history in twenty fifteen that American Apparel, the company founded by charismatic weirdo Dove Charney. <laughs> first filed for bankruptcy protection. And this was quite a fall from grace. Just three years earlier, Charney had told ABC News, quote, American apparel will live beyond my lifetime. Uh, he neglected to add, as an online-only store, no longer making clothes in the USA, despite that being its only USP.
1: <laughs> Charney is a man so powerful, despite the fall of American apparel, that he is able to keep his age off of his Wikipedia page. <laughs> if you guys awesome. noticed that this. Is I, I had to look elsewhere and i can tell you he is 53 he was born in 1969 meaning he launched the american apparel brand at the age of 20 despite the name he is actually canadian and what was happening was that he was attending a private high school in the u.s and he would smuggle t-shirts home to sell to his friends apparently they were better quality and later in an interview with vice he would say that his friends would often then resell them to their friends effectively making him a teenage wholesaler
2: he's such a contradiction and same goes for American Apparel itself. Because on the one hand, you know, when he started the company itself, it came to him, I guess, after having done this wholesale act for a certain number of years while he was in high school. But he actually had the final idea when he was in Tufts University. Uh, apparently it came to him in his dorm room in 1989. And Initially, the idea was this kind of reaction to the fact that trade policy and cheap overseas labor had driven the United States apparel industry offshore in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, people were getting these clothes that had been made in Hong Kong and China and Bangladesh and India and just accepting them because they were very cheap. But he had this idea, what if we kind of put the Made in America uh, brand back on it and also do some fairly legitimate things like, you know, paying people appropriately for their labor. He apparently paid double the minimum wage to his mainly immigrant workforce, but people located within the US and had uh, health insurance and free international telephone calls and, you know, good conditions for the people who worked for him. And yet it obviously turned into this company that had this terribly
0: seedy underbelly based on who Dov Chani was as a human being. Yeah, I mean, he may have founded it in 1989, but it was kind of, I don't know, what, year 2000? That kind of era, wasn't it? 2000 to 2010, certainly, when it was really peaking and had $600 million in sales, hundreds of stores, employed thousands of people. And it was just the right idea at the right time. As we talked about in our episode about Russell Athletic, You know, they were an all-American brand. They evolved the logo to put the eagle in the R. And then round about that kind of time, they started outsourcing to Mexico. And he was Mm. doing the opposite. He was building a factory in Los Angeles. And quickly, I mean, really rapidly because of that, because he was the only person who had the foresight to do that and realized that ethics, ironically, we'll get to that in a minute, would become a reason why you'd buy his clothes, um, he very quickly became the biggest manufacturer of clothes in the hmm. USA.
1: Yeah, and it makes it even more remarkable that the idea of actually selling them directly to the public in stores seems to have come along relatively late. It wasn't until 2003 that American Apparel opened its first retail store under its own name. Until then, they were all being sold through other retailers and they, were putting, they in some cases, would put their own branding on them. You could actually only recognise an American Apparel T-shirt from its particular fit, unless you looked at the label. Well, his again. inspiration, I think, um, was Fruit of
0: the Loom, because that's one of the brands that he used to sell hmm. in Canada. And that's basically their model, isn't it? Like, you you feel it and you think, oh, this is a nice quality T-shirt, and then you see it's Fruit of the Loom, but it might have a different brand written on the front of it.
1: Yeah, so supposedly what happened was that Charney rented a storefront art gallery to host a friend's photography exhibition, and selling his T-shirts there seems to have been kind of Mm. an afterthought, even though the company was doing so well selling to other retailers, but the sales proved that demand was there. And just a few years later, they had 140 stores across the US, Canada, and Europe, and of course, Obviously, the Made in America label had a different but also strong right. appeal in Europe. You know, in the States, it was a way of saying that you're supporting American manufacturing. In Europe, you know, Made in America has a cool, nostalgic, kind of a 1960s ring to it.
2: But it was just such a weird mix, wasn't it, of being on the one hand, this hugely ethical brand offering very simple paired back clothing, but then its advertising was just the Absolute antithesis of that. It had this gritty kind of lo-fi sexuality about it. They all sort of unretouched models with visible nipples and pubic hair and so on. It had this kind of high-minded ideals, but then it was trying to sell people a really sort of internet porn type of an image. And you also had these stores that were designed to be quite intimidating spaces that apparently had a no-ugly policy where you had. Had to be a sort of beautiful person. This was kind of coinciding with Abercrombie and Fitch's similar thing where you, you didn't have to be a model to get your foot in the door, but actually you pretty much did. So, you know, it was just this like mass of different things all competing with each other.
1: But what what Dov Chani was really tapping into was this hipster moment before the whole concept of hipsters became a bit of a joke and became worn out. So he was appealing to people who were or at least would like to see themselves as cool, creative, metropolitan type people who were also interested in sustainability. You know, this is the 2000s, people starting to become a bit more aware of fast fashion and the impact that that was having on the planet. But also the sort of person who might appreciate vintage things, eclectic stuff from the past, Americana, and the kind of ironic playfulness as well. So these sexually provocative ads were actually right in keeping because it was harking back to stuff like, almost to stuff like Robert Mm. Mapplethorpe and Betty Page, this idea of almost voyeuristic, semi-pornographic sexuality. But the idea being that the ideal American apparel customer would be the kind of person who would sort of dryly, ironically appreciate these ads, but they weren't clever. One of them literally had a woman with her legs apart and it said, now (laughs) open.
0: I mean, also worth mentioning, I was about to say the age of these women, whereas in fact they were all models over 18, but the perceived age of these women. His defence was, look at what uh, high prestige fashion brands do. They take these very young girls who are 15 and 16 and make them look 30 with loads of makeup and hair, but actually the body shape they're looking for is only possible in an adolescent. I'm just being honest that our customers are young and there's nothing wrong with being sexy and young. But I mean, some of these adverts were banned in the UK because Mm. the person being featured was clearly supposed to be perceived to be a minor and the brand Mm. was being targeted at teenagers. So I suppose there's nothing wrong really with like talking about teenage sexuality, but this was not an intelligent conversation. (laughs) This was an exploitative kind of framing of young girls really it was just girls some of them porn stars and like you were saying erin that's such a clash with what they were doing in terms of values their customers were women who wanted gym pants and who would have been attracted to the brand because it was sustainable environmentally friendly organic no sweatshops how bizarre from a perspective now it's amazing this was just 10 years ago to say oh and our other core brand value is we exploit adolescent girls He'd already created this connection
2: between himself and American apparel that was pretty much inseparable. And so when this string of increasingly lurid allegations against him began to appear, it just kind of killed off any lingering glamour that may have been built in the interim. And, you know, to go into some of the things that he was accused of...
0: Yes, please, because they are
2: extraordinary. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, so he was alleged to have um, made an 18-year-old sales clerk his, quote, sex slave. He had masturbated repeatedly in the presence of a female journalist who was sent to profile him. And then sent explicit texts to employees. So he was up to all sorts of kind of personally exploitative and
0: overtly sexual behaviour. Just to take the example of the journalist, so this is Claudine Coe that wrote a a profile about him for Jane magazine. Not only did he openly uh, pleasure himself in front of her while she was writing the profile, but she asked him a question, how do you like to relax? Thinking he was going to say, you know, well, I play video arcade games or whatever. And he said oral sex and then proceeded to get one of his employees to demonstrate upon him. Crikey.
1: You know, American Apparel obviously wasn't a startup in the sense that we think of it now necessarily, but that startup culture where it was all based around the CEO and the CEO as the arbiter of what was acceptable and what Mm. was cool within the company. And as the company got bigger and obviously as Charney became older as well and was seen slightly less as being in touch with his consumers how quickly it could go from this sort of edgy entrepreneur who has his finger on the pulse of what young people want to someone who very quickly, suddenly when these stories come out turns into this Mm. seedy cult of personality type figure exploiting the people below him
2: Well one group of people who certainly lost patience with him was the American Apparel Board who fired him as chairman in June 2014 and sacked him as the CEO in December for his sexual misconduct. And the board highlighted both the rising cost of defending the company against lawsuits uh, that, that were coming in against Charney and also the damage that was being done to the brand itself by the fact that it had this self-confessed, quote, dirty guy at the helm
1: and you can still buy american apparel branded clothes through gildan activa it sells exclusively on amazon though it's got oh, it's got a page on the website but when you click on the items it takes you straight to amazon now all the clothing is made in central america which i guess is still technically american <laughs> that's true <too>. technically american
0: <laughs> apparel that's the formal
1: <laughs> tomorrow well, i reckon at a certain point she was probably sat in the wings and she couldn't even tell anymore whether she was in the play or not <laughs>
2: Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, part of the ACAST Creator Network.